Hi, um, welcome everyone. Uh, we are um, Andrea from Carleton University and I am Oscar here from the University of Washington. Welcome again to uh, our blogging podcast, um, 49 Sigma. And uh, we have, I think, a, a very interesting topic for um, everyone today. Um, yeah. As we know, it's uh, we're really well it's either started or in the midst of um, job searching season. Positions have been posted, people have been mm-hmm. applying. And, um, you know, as a someone who's uh, chairing a um, search committee, um, Andrea, and somebody who's, you know, been in the job market for um, a, a little while before I, I, I you know, became employed, I, I, I think it's interesting for us to share some of our insights with respect to the, the job search process or what happens, particularly in quantitative mm-hmm. psychology, educational measurement, like what happens when a candidate, when you go apply, and like some of the interesting moving parts that are part mm-hmm. of these um, process. Um, so, you know, let's let's, let's, get, let's jump in. Exactly. I, um, <laughs> so like one of the things we, um, I wanted to show, we wanted to, to, to discuss to talk about a little bit is, um, so this particular issue that we sometimes find um, within quantitative psychology, quantitative social sciences, which is usually referred to as the twofer model, twofer for two. Um, mm-hmm. This term comes from um, uh, Dr. Leona Eiken's research in terms of like what are the expectations, particularly the, the career expectations um, that the quantitative psychologists, the junior quantitative psychologists may have in programs like these. And um, it, it's a little bit controversial. It's a position that I'm a little bit more against, mm-hmm. uh, which is this idea that we should be able to somehow juggle two different areas of research the methodological quantitative one, which of course pertains to the kind of work that we do, and a more applied substantive one that mm-hmm. uh, refers to the work that perhaps people in the department that you know, overlaps with the kind of uh, more applied research questions um, that people have. Uh, now, with you know, your permission, I'm, I'm sort of putting the position of why I don't like it. And, okay, uh, yeah, you, you start that, you with know, why you don't like it, and exactly. we'll, see, we'll see what I can counter with. <laughs> or like a compromise in here. So um, okay. here are basically my, my, my basic point, which is most of us who start these programs, like in, in, in quant psych, in educational measurement, we do them to become quantitative psychologists or people in educational measurement, right? I, I feel like our academic mandate uh, is to promote and pursue and expand uh, methodological research. Uh, methodological research by itself, I think, has a lot of value. Uh, because it permeates basically what everybody else uh, is using, right? The methods that we develop, the methods that we evaluate, uh, you know, end up being used in all kinds of journals and whatnot. Um, so I tend to be a little bit more resistant to the idea of me having to show up like in, you know, a job search or something. And to a certain extent, I feel mischaracterizing what my strengths and my abilities are. Like I'm saying like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a methodologist, but also a second-rate developmental <laughs> uh, researcher or like a second rate clinical psychologist mm-hmm. because I kind of know one thing or two about here but like if you leave me alone to maybe lead mm-hmm. one of these research projects I would not be able to do it consistently because it is not mm-hmm. my area of expertise I don't, I don't know what your thoughts so uh, yeah let me kind of cut in at mm-hmm. um the 
the notion of, you know, where is a, where is a twofer position coming from? Because mm -hmm. I think if people are on the job market this year and they either are explicitly coming from a quantitative training program, or they have built in quantitative training into um, one of the other areas as their, their model, or they've sort of done a postdoc mm -hmm. um, in one and a degree in the other, uh, but they're looking at jobs that include quantitative psychology. Probably the majority of them are going to be jobs that are an, an area with mm -hmm. like a plus quant, which is the twofer. So we're yeah. looking for a social psychologist who can teach our grad stats. We are looking for a developmental psychologist who can teach our grad stats and do some consulting. Um, so, uh, so, you know, those jobs are out there and it's not, it's not, um, it's not in bad faith, right? It's the, the place it's coming from, I think is departments are saying, oh my goodness, there's so much that's going on that we don't have the expertise for. Well, we definitely need a social psychologist, but it would be great if we could get a social psychologist who is also up to speed in all of these methods. And sort of, I think, without really realizing it, you kind of create these jobs that add a level of uh, expectation to candidates yeah. that is not necessarily um, equitable. Um, but uh, it's, it's coming from a good place. It's coming from a place that's recognizing you need to be more quantitatively sophisticated mm -hmm. in, our, our, in the training that we're offering in the, the, you know, the scope of our faculty. Um, but for people that are coming from quantitative psychology or educational measurement um, backgrounds, that's your area, like quant is your area. So, um, so uh, you know, for folks like you, Oscar, um, you know, looking at, uh, I mean, you might be trying to shoehorn yourself into a job that says, well, um, you know, maybe we're a health psychology plus quant. So, it's yeah, it's um, I think there's some advantages, but I can definitely see how if you're coming from a quant training place that it doesn't feel like a good fit necessarily. And that's perhaps my point, which is that I mean, I, don't, I, I totally get the whole like nobody's doing this on purpose. Mm -hmm. But I'm always reminded, you know, what's, what does that saying goes like the way to hell is paid with good intentions. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I do yeah. like, realize that I'm. Um, when positions like these get advertised or, um, you know, this, this, this kind mm -hmm. of idea of like, you need to be able to do everything. Yeah. I do feel like our contributions get devalued a little bit. Uh -huh. okay. Because then it becomes like, oh, you can be a primary social psychologist and, you know, have a few varnishes in quant and, and that should be good enough. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, it's like you spend what, six, 10 years studying, like to prepare yourself for a PhD in a program like mm -hmm. this. And I mean, as much as I respect and there's very sophisticated applied researchers who do some interesting quantitative modeling. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a lot more complicated for them to sort of like juggle two areas at once. Right. And for me to generally focus on my thing and perhaps bring contributions to um, uh, you know, uh, research teams or like big uh, co-PIs and grants where like I get to lend my expertise as opposed to being your sort of a deficient um, applied quantity, uh, mm -hmm. sorry, deficient applied researcher because you only do methods. So, um, so okay, yes, um, I totally get that. But you know, what about um, the fact that there are a limited number of places that actually have 
formal quantitative areas. So like we can practically count on two hands, right? I mean, certainly in Canada, we already talked about that. It's like a half a dozen places. So out of, out of what, 150 oh. universities with psychology departments. So, um, so I mean, I'm not sure that it makes sense to sort of, you know, to say, okay, any department who's considering hiring somebody with a quantitative background or quantitative research interests, you have to create um, a quantitative uh, doctoral area in order to oh, support that faculty. Mean. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you only have social cognitive development, health or something, then um, in order to hire a faculty, they kind of have to go in one of those homes um, or, Oh, so the, or the issue is more or, you know, logistical, so to speak, rather than sure. in principle. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Now, now, if I had my way, we would have a lot more quantitative areas in in our psychology departments. In fact, it would be like most of them. Um, so that maybe is that's a separate question. The reality is we've got um, like listeners that are looking for jobs this year mm -hmm. and there are going to be people you know that are kind of psychology plus quant or you know quant plus psychology area mm -hmm. that are all going to be looking for these jobs including you know there's one at carlton right mm -hmm. so in case you haven't heard we are hiring this year people. and it is a quantitative psychology position um although we are uh, a university that doesn't have a formal quantitative area but we are searching um you know, for that specific, uh, specific area. So, okay, so, you know, what do we need to try and resolve about, you know, the twofer model? Like, is it, is it, <laughs> you're here to stay, good, bad? Like, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, I'm thinking, uh, I mean, now that you gave me this um, more kind of logistics perspective and say like, hey, you know, like in an ideal world, we'll have endless funding to have endless programs and then everybody can play in their own backyard. Um, I, I, I get like, I see, the issue there so like you know maybe even if we try to do this it's not feasible to do i'm totally mm -hmm. with you like i do feel that one of the big problems of you know this replication price and whatnot is that we're we're trying to get uh you know two for one the two for or a many for one mm -hmm. saying hey like the social and the cognitive and the quant and we only have to pay one salary and you cover all mm -hmm. these areas um yeah but like it's like i don't know my mother used to say the perennial problem of when the urgent doesn't leave uh, room for the important Mm -hmm. which in this case is by prioritizing yeah. the, you know, these kind of issues of like we have limited resources in the long run, uh, we are creating bigger problems for our field, uh, mm -hmm. which I think have come to fruition in the replication crisis, because yeah. I mean, it's not like we don't have actual research that we know that a lot of people, you know, senior people with and whatnot have not a great understanding of like statistical inference. Mm -hmm. We are uh, running a, a study um, at UBC that kind of takes into that with the central limit theorem with uh, some interesting and somewhat troubling um, issues with respect of like, whether or not people understand these concepts. And it kind right. of comes back to my mind of like, well, is this coming because we have people whose area is not specifically quant trying to like dwell into quant? Mm -hmm. Like, could we improve this area or could we improve this teaching? Could we improve this, uh, our research if we were a bit more quant friendly? Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, at least, you know, now that we're living in COVID times, you know, and there's not money for anything, like I guess yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a pipe dream for me. I, 
I think I definitely think that the twofer model is a symptom of a problem as opposed <laughs> to being a good solution um, for itself. Now, like I would consider myself as being hired as a twofer because <laughs> there was a, a need to fit into existing areas and also a need to fill a uh, teaching role at the graduate level for statistics. Um, and I, you know, there's a lot that's been positive about that for sure. And I definitely feel like I have a home with colleagues that are um, in substantive areas. And there's a lot of like enthusiasm and appreciation for, for quant at my university. But, um, but it's, you know, in, in the, in the sense that um, more people, more thinkers in quantitative methods are required at more departments to kind of keep our discipline on track. We're not, we're not solving that problem. Right. Yeah, so, no, so maybe sort of, you know, moving on to kind of part two here. Um, yeah, no, I was, so these are the jobs. Here. Yeah. These are the jobs yeah. that are out there. There's, it's either going to be a straight quantitative job or a two for a job in either way. Um, you know, let's say you've applied and you are interviewing for one. So, you know, what's next? <laughs> like, let's what's talk about what to do now. Yeah, no, because that, that like, it is an interesting because now, like from a, pre-candidate, now assistant yeah. professor from somebody who's um, chairing a, a, a committee. So my experience, um, particularly once you're already, okay, you got the interview, they flew you in, you're getting ready, they pick you up from your hotel, what's next thing? Uh, so this is something that I hope, like I wanna put it out there so people to not make the same mistake that I made. I, I know I totally made my mistake on my first interview, uh, which was trying to think that I could dazzle and bedazzle everybody with technical knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like I was thinking like, I am going to give you all the math and all the R code and you are gonna see how fabulous and sophisticated and technical I am. And you're <laughs> gonna be super impressed with me. And that, oh boy, that backfired very quickly. And <laughs> I was thinking like, I mean, take of course this with a grain of salt, yeah. but I've, from because it's not like my own interview, like I, I've interviewed in a, to a few places already. If you give your research talk and there's crickets after that, like nobody's mm -hmm. asking questions, that is not the best sign. <laughs> Something didn't go well. And and it's, it's not right. necessarily because they weren't interested, but yes. um, so I think this is probably true of all presentations, technical mm -hmm. or no. Um, if you can make your audience feel like they're an expert in whatever you're talking about mm -hmm. at the end of it, then you've succeeded on a really important level, which is yeah. getting you know engagement and some buy-in, enthusiasm for your work. They can see the next steps as clearly as you can. Um, and that's just as important for a kind mm -hmm. of more easy to translate um, substantive area uh, as it is for quantitative. And I think that might be a really um, important misconception that people have that, um, you know, it's a quantitative job, especially if you're going in for a, for a position at a university that has a quantitative area. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like math guys that are there, a lot of people that are very sophisticated. The assumption that you, you, you should be going in there and, and, and it's like you said, sort of impressing them with your with your sort of math capabilities and doing equations on the fly, like that is probably not a good idea mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you're you can't do complex ideas 
in a short job talk, what you want to, you know, you want to be accurate. And so whatever technical know-how you're bringing to your talk needs to be accurate, but it also needs to have like shaved off all of the extras so that you've got a very clear message. Like this is a talk. So a a talk in quantitative methods needs to kind of address a, a, a very relatable, understandable problem. And that problem may have to do with like how factor loadings are estimated, right? It could be something really narrow, but you need a lot of plain language. You need a lot of, you know, visuals you need. And related uh, to people's yeah. research, particularly, like I kind of yeah. feel like sometimes we need to keep in mind um, in having committees themselves, they're not exclusively staffed by people in the quant side. There's going to mm-hmm. be people there that are maybe yeah. quant adjacent right. or who are substantive researchers with an interest in quant. Yeah. And like, that's all great. But like, you know, if you're talking at that high level, you're going to miss those people who are going to be voting in the higher. And they may be less enthusiastic about you because they don't understand your work. And, and they may be less enthusiastic about your work because they don't think it's important. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas your work might be more important than the work of somebody who just was a better salesperson. Um, So definitely. No, that's, that's like, I mean, we, we need to be aware that I feel I've always tell this to people who tell me like, okay, you know, share your materials with me, any tips or anything. It's like your application package gets your foot on the door. Yeah. The door, sorry. Everything else is you. Yeah. How do you relate to people? How do you explain things? How do yeah. you conduct yourself? Like, I mean, there's all these moving parts. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's fair, maybe it's unfair. Like, you know, we, we talk about this idea of fit, right? What does the right mm-hmm. fit mean? That marine fit is just this nebulous idea that people just use for whatever. But at the end yeah. of the day, that's what you're going to be working with and um, yeah. it would be ideal for you to keep that in mind and speaking of that that, that a conversation that we both had that i yeah. thought only happened to me but i thought it was super interesting is just you have to be like ready for everything like when you do the one-on-one interviews you know when you go faculty per faculty doing the little pilgrimage across the department yeah i mean i i even have situations where somebody would just like pop out like a manuscript like some data mm-hmm. analysis and they're like hey like i'm doing this does this make sense yeah. You're like, oh boy, I have five uh, minutes to analyze that. <laughs> um, that 100% happened to me too. And I felt like uh, that was an opportunity for me to shine because, exactly. um, because I one of the things I pride myself on is my ability to communicate things that are relatively complex in an understandable way. So I thought, great, I can do this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's every chance if you're on the quant job market this year, that one of your likely Zoom-based interviews will be a one-on-one with a person who's going to say, can I just like screen share for a second with <laughs> exactly. my my M plus because I'm just not getting this one section to run. Like I keep getting this error. Do you know anything? There is a very strong chance that that's going to happen to you if you're, if you're interviewing Um, because, you know, part of the reason that the committee is um, interviewing you is that because the department has decided that they need more quantitative expertise. And that is partly because there are individuals who are doing research and they're seeing barriers in what they can accomplish, right? If everybody in a department is great (laughs) at their stats, then, then, you know, those, those twofer type hires, 
they're probably not happening because we're, we're all set. We've we're got set, people exactly that are great at, yeah, <laughs> they're teaching, we're good. Um, we don't need any new. So yeah, you're going to have people that are having trouble with their code and they're probably going to ask you for help or ask you like, where, how do I do this in SPSS? So um, no, no, and at the end of the day, I feel yeah. it's important to keep in mind because of course the first thing that I will do, I have to be like, you know, an expert on everything at every given time. Like it's more about your ability to communicate the ideas. Yeah. Right, like if it's kind of like I don't know because my situation was like I was working with somebody who uh, or like I was being interviewed by somebody who does more work on the on kind of comes from an econ background, mm-hmm. and uh, the methods were very like econ specific mm-hmm. uh, econometrics, and I'm like okay I've heard of these things but I don't really work on them but I'm gonna tell you kind of like what I would do if I were mm-hmm. in this situation, yeah, um, which is kind of related to what you're doing. But not really, mm-hmm. because like I don't really understand this. I don't come from this background for these yeah. uh, methodologies, and and I think because I mean I ended up landing the job, so I must have done something good, right? Um, it's just this idea that it's like oh, so it's not so much whether or not you can you have mastered everything, it's whether or not you can mm-hmm. communicate an analysis mm-hmm. plan that is sensible given the, the yeah, and some of that is just kind of you know helping people know where to look. Right. I, I mean, my um, and I do I do statistical consulting uh, at Carleton, and that's you know kind of a built into the um, uh, departmental service, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't. I often do not have the answer to people's um, inquiries, oh, yeah. like that. Most I can't do this model or that model. I'm trying to do something, and a lot of it is like, well, I don't know exactly how to solve this problem, but I think you should start by looking up these three things, right? Then, mm-hmm. or you know, this website has good resources, and that will often get people pointed in in the right direction. So, um, I mean, now that's sort of that's consulting. That's that's not really necessarily a part of the, the job process, but it is part of um, kind of understanding the context mm-hmm. of the department you might be interviewing with. They have a gap in quantitative. So try and keep in mind that what you're interviewing for is a position that's trying to fill that gap. And um, being able to demonstrate the nature of your expertise and the nature of your ability to collaborate and communicate yeah. with others, I think is going to be pretty crucial. And now, Sarah, that's, that's an interesting word you're using there because that, that sort of like works uh, to open up the, the other point that we were, we thought was important to discuss, mm-hmm. which is you, you landed a job, congratulations, like first mm-hmm. few steps. And uh, service, like it's something that always kind of keeps on coming back mm-hmm. from mind because service seems to be a big or a bigger expectation for people in quant-like programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, than perhaps from applied researchers, because of course it's this idea of like where well, you're gonna be collaborating in other people's grants, you're gonna be helping uh, supervise um, other students who are not necessarily quants uh, doctoral dissertations, but not because you know everybody needs methods and we specialize in methods. Yeah. And I always, well, I mean, I always recommend people because now I realize that it's something you can do is negotiate. It's like okay. you don't have okay. to say yes to everything all the time because yeah. at the end of the day, when push comes to shove and maybe it kind of goes back to the whole twofer model, you're going to be evaluated uh, for tenure on your quant scholarship, right? Mm-hmm. Your quant articles, your quant grants, if you have anything. And there's a lot of work that's more certain. Yes, it's going to count, but it's not going to count as or be weighted as heavily as your research. So you need mm-hmm. to be able to sometimes say, you know what, just know I can do maybe one or two projects this year mm-hmm. and that's it because I need to focus on my thing or I can only supervise these couple of dissertations because otherwise you're, it's very easy, I feel, I don't know if it's in your experience as well, for yourself to get inundated with requests 
of like, mm-hmm. hey, can you help us out here? Hey, like, yeah. we need somebody here. Hey, we need, and then eventually you're like, well, where's my time? Right? Yeah, like, yeah. When are you doing my thing? I, I, yeah, I'm, so I agree. Um, you have to be pretty careful about um, managing requests. And I mean, you know, if you're on day one of a brand new tenure track job, the last thing you want to be doing is saying no to people. Mm-hmm. And people aren't asking you to participate because they're trying to, you know, ruin your career, eat up all oh. your time. They just have something they're excited about and they think you might be a good fit for it and they Thanks. want you to like collaborate. But collaborating can devolve into, you know, you becoming um uh, taking on a service role for someone else's career or you kind mm-hmm. of serving almost like as a graduate research assistant for someone else's project and that's really important to pay attention to like is that yeah. is that what you want like does this topic for this person have any interest for you at all um it might not right and <laughs> and if that's the case like you need to be prepared to decline um and there are ways that you can kind of have a strategy for declining and sort of sort of you know taking a couple of days before you respond to those emails um you know saying uh saying things about you know that you uh that you think it would really be really interesting but that you're committed to these other projects right now and that you don't have room to take on something else and to give it your full attention you know those kinds of things are are ways that you can um, politely and strategically decline opportunities that are no longer opportunities for you right like when you were a graduate student every invitation seems like an opportunity and it probably is right but once you have actually um started in a position um they're expecting you to do your work so um prioritize that yeah make sure that's kind of your number one thing um we had talked about like you know what shape uh, a quantitative career might take mm-hmm. though right exactly. because like we because said there's flexibility there's, yeah there's flexibility in terms of that and it's yeah and it's very it can it, it can look very different for different people you and you certainly there's an obvious difference between somebody who's a quantitative scholar in a department that has a quantitative area and yeah. there's already like a set number of people that are impressed by psychological methods and um i don't know that's the one journal i can think of off the top of my head multivariate behavioral research so yeah they know though those are the good journals for your area so um you know that's kind of a, a fairly clear path in that kind of unit if it's another unit um where you might be at more risk of kind of consulting away your time um that because there's no quantitative area um it is it could be a little more difficult for you to advance a strictly quantitative program if that's your goal but it may not be your goal either right you might you might really be like well i'm a social psychologist first or um yeah or a social scientist because i have that seen that experience of people who are genuinely like like interested in the data analysis side of things more Mm -hmm. like uh, let's create new methods things and it took me a while to realize and this is a good thing like there's people or like there is opportunity within quant programs to craft a career like that of saying like yeah like i like if needed you know if pressed like you know i can work through the art code and everything but what i really really like is actually embedding myself uh within national research projects mm-hmm. that have a direct application or direct benefit to society or like yeah. going to areas that were applied yeah and craft a career that goes along those lines like when i was doing my mm-hmm. postdoc at the school of population and public health um at ubc that was what the more sort of like 
very smart, very clever people who are doing, you know, um, epidemiology, biostats kind of thing. It's like, yeah, like, I mean, I can do the fancy schmancy math, but what I really, really like, what I think is mm -hmm. really, really contributes to my the scholarship or how I envision is more advanced, like advanced data analysis, so to speak. Like yeah. you kind of kind of craft those models. And it's nice to yeah. have these opportunities. So yeah, so if you're at a place that might facilitate that, and there are definitely, you know, departments where they're not necessarily expecting you to, um, you know, if you're in the US, you're not necessarily expected to win several R01 grants um, mm -hmm. for your quantitative work and to do a ton of first author publications. That may not be what tenure uh, and promotion is going to look like at your institution. Uh, so here in Canada, we have tri-council agencies. Um, I think it's fairly typical to go for quantitative um, uh, research proposals through NSERC um, and to some extent. Well, sure. sure. Now have the, yeah. the, the psych methods one, which has, I mean, this is very, oh, really? like, yeah, mm -hmm. like maybe two, three years ago that they okay. I mean, have I did like, see that. This, this kind of new thing of say like if you come from psychology or social sciences and but you specialize in methodology issues oh, you now okay. have some money but this is like super new like i saw it like two couple of years ago but i'm like well uh, too bad i'm not in canada anymore how but did it, i miss that but it's a good thing right like it means yeah. that this kind of scholarship is now being recognized for by the funders which yeah, yeah i yeah. appreciate yeah um it's uh i mean you're still you know you're still putting your work in a grant committee panel where it's mostly people that do not find that interesting. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> so that's, so that's still, that's still a challenge, but um, yeah, it's, I think it's more about when you're in your department, make sure you have a good sense of what tenure and promotion looks like for your department. Like, do they care if you publish a lot of first authored stuff um, or, you know, or is, are they going to value collaborator co-applicant on a bunch of grants just as well it's um it's not it's not clear until you're there and some universities with um different teaching research splits are going to feel differently so you know thinking about that while you're looking for a proper home um is is something i think to keep in mind because you know it's not the only way to have a career isn't um you know a PI of a lab doing innovative yeah. research in its own right. Um, it's, you know, it's, I think it's what a lot of people initially have in mind or what it's, what you're told is the most prestigious or the correct way mm -hmm. to be a scholar, but it's not necessarily the case no. and it's not necessarily required for no, you to have I, a- Exactly. I know plenty of people who chose the, career. The, the, the more like, let's develop methods and more actually use the methods Mm -hmm. career path became tenure grants and everything so it's uh, but it's it doesn't seem to be something that you that we're exposed to um mm -hmm. as graduate students like it I, and, and i think what's important for us to talk about it just to put out there say like hey like if you feel like you're more in the middle not strictly quant not strictly applied but more one way or another there's room for you mm -hmm. there's room for you totally and, uh, so yeah so known? you know how do we kind of wrap this all together tie this together that was a good I like yeah, that yeah. point you just made. <laughs> well, I uh, well, of course, the, the first thing is, you know, uh, good luck to all the candidates. Like, I mean, yeah. you know that this is going to be like a, a, a tough season. Like, it's it's been tough for I think everybody, mm -hmm. and uh, we're we're all waiting um, to see when we can, you know, get out there and like just go back to normal yeah. lives. But well, I, I sorry, I was just they were saying sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna jump in. I just want to say I think that with the number of interviews uh, that are probably going to happen over Zoom this mm. year, there might be kind of a built-in equity um, bar oh. that 
kind of isn't there uh, normally, right? I mean, people uh, people that are interviewing in person, if you tend to be more gregarious and more socially capable, um, you have a leg up uh, in an in-person interview. And that that is maybe not as true over Zoom where everybody is a little bit flat. Yeah. So I'm kind of hoping that this will be um, a strong year for uh, for for hiring high quality people on you know things that are not necessarily just their personality. Exactly. Um, so <laughs> so it, 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 it like I I, I mean it is just few I don't know months since like I've been uh, switching positions. I, I've noticed that there's been like um, interesting changes. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, like more emphasis on uh, diversity, which isn't important to have the time for. Maybe we'll have just a, a whole episode on that. Um, because like, I have to be honest with you, like I, I was very proud of, um, and I've been told like of the diversity statement that I wrote uh, mm. for my positions, because I realized that for, for a person who's like mostly quant like myself, trying to like tie in simulations to issues of equity and race and gender and whatnot, uh, like, like, and I'm like, no, it, it can be done. Like, I mean, yeah. it's important for us to talk about it. Okay. And yeah. um, but at the end of the day, new challenges, new year. But like, to be honest with you, I see more positions advertised than I expected there would be given the pandemic. So I'm hoping this is like at least some sort of silver lining or yeah. like uh, a light at the end of the tunnel type thing to make sure. Yeah, that, I hope uh, so too. So good luck to everybody, I guess. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll, we'll see you next time. Alrighty. Perfect. Bye. Bye.